Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 4, Text 21. Chapter is titled, Sati Quits Her Body. Mava Padavya Pitarasmadasita Pitarasmadasita Yayagya Shala Sunaduma Vartnubi Tad Anna Tripter Ashubridhiridita Avyakta Linga Avaduta Sevita Mava Padavya Pitaras Madastita Yayagyashala Sunadhuma Vatmabhi Tad Anna Tripta Shubridhiridhita Avyakta Linga Avaduta Sevita Mava Padavya Pitaras Madastita Yayagyashala Sunadhuma Vatmabhi Tad Anna Tripta Shubhidhiridhita Avyakta Linga Vaduta Sevita 
Christ were also condemned by Sati. Whether or not King Daksha and his flatterers could understand the position of Lord Shiva, Sati wanted to impress upon her father that he should not think her husband to be without opulence. Sati, being the devoted wife of Lord Shiva, offers all kind of material opulences to the worshippers of Lord Shiva. This fact is explained in the Srimad Bhagavatam, the 10th canto. Lord Shiva's worshippers sometimes appear more opulent than the worshippers of Lord Vishnu because Durga's Sati being the superintendent in charge The worshippers of Vishnu are meant for spiritual elevation and therefore their material opulence is sometimes found to decrease. These points are very nicely discussed in the 10th canto. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Namaham Vishnupadaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Shreemate Bhakti Vedanta Swamini Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Srivasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna. I will seek the blessings of all the Vaishnavas here. I'm very fortunate to discuss Srimad Bhagavatam in this holy month in the association of wonderful devotees. Um, we're continuing on chapter 4, Canto 4, chapter 4. And in this specific verse, Sati is still explaining, trying to explain to her father his mistake in judging Lord Shiva. So there are many points Shri Prabhupada is making in purport. I don't think we will have time for discussing everything, but we'll try to focus on a few points. There is a beautiful verse in the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam that explains how Supreme Personality of God, Krishna, Tejo Varimridam Yata Vinimayo Sargo Nusha. So many even great personalities, even demigods, they cannot understand Krishna. Janmadhyasya yatha anvayadi taratrashta tejaswa bhignaswara tene brahma hudaya adi kave muhyanti yat suraya. So they are bewildered. All these suraya were supposed to be in mode of goodness. They cannot understand Krishna. This is transcendental. Similarly, one other personality that we find very common in the Vedic literature is Mahadev, Lord Shiva. <clears throat> and in the Srimad Bhagavatam, 8th canto, when Lord Shiva is performing the pastime of drinking poison, all the demigods are similarly paying, we do not understand your glories. Even Lord Brahma cannot understand 
the great authority. He's the secondary creator of this universe and he is admitting, I do not know this great personality, Lord Shiva. He's such an exalted personality. So how can I understand? <clears throat> so as living conditioned souls, we very much represent like Dakshas mentality. We have so many conditioned anarthas. It is very difficult to un understand great wisdom great judging, great personalities, understanding great uh, intricacies of various situations. We almost bring everything down to our level. That's what Daksha is doing. He is judging everything from his only external perspective. He has not understood who Lord Shiva is. In spite of Sati Devi's explanation of who Lord Shiva is, it will just be a fruitless labor because his, his consciousness only was only attracted on the very external level. Though you, he is speaking that Lord Shiva was devoid of culture, it is very apparent that Daksha did not understand what is the meaning of culture either because he was very, very externally judging. This Lord Shiva wears dresses like this. He, you know, He's associating with certain people. You know, he doesn't have any inner vision of this great personality. And this happens quite often. We also see this happening when people try to understand even the basic principle of Bhagavad Gita, foundational principle that we're not just bodies. <clears throat> it says, Dehi no dehe kaumaram yavvanam jara. So one has to become sober to even understand the very fundamental principle that one is not this body. And in this world today we can experience that, that so many of elevated, intelligent, thoughtful men and women, they do not have this simple understanding which sometimes is very obvious for many people. So how does this happen? It's beyond intelligence, beyond uh, one's senses, beyond one's intelligence. So the Vedic culture teaches that any wisdom can be learned, not necessarily through one's perception. Or one cannot perceive everything through senses. One cannot see everything and judge everything, come to conclusion of wisdom. Similarly, one cannot also logically infer everything. Ultimately, one has to come to accepting authority, Shabda Pramana. And this is the foundational principle of culture of learning is when we, when we come to this realization that everything I have to understand is through authority. It's not by my own experience. Now, even the basic principle, if does God exist? Many people, you know what, you know, just by their experience, I don't see him, so there must not be any God. Or some people logically make some sense, I, I think this is what, this is it. But ultimately it's all deceived. Because many times our senses deceive us, it's imperfect. It's also logically our intuitive feelings are not even correct sometimes because our logical inferences are not correct. So Shastra says, Acharya say that one has to submit to authority. 
So there may be a question, well, I have to submit to the authority. It seems like I don't have a choice, but I have to, do I have to blindly accept? No. So this is the beauty of Vedic wisdom is, you accept the authority, but you do not reject your experience and logical intuitive feelings, but you have to work in conjunction with authority. And when Krishna explains the basic fundamental philosophy of that you are not this body, he does this exactly like this. He says, Dehi nosmin yata dehe kaumaram yavvanam jara. So just he explains the same fact that you are not this body, just like you have observed that you are changing from childhood to boyhood to youth and old age. Similarly, now this is a logical, logical comparison he's making based on an authoritative statement. So this is how Vedic presentation is made that we're not blindly following the words of the Shastra, but we are trying to understand either through our experience, sensual experience through our senses, possible, and sometimes logical experience. So this is how it is, it is seen the way the knowledge is revealed. And Daksha, as Parvati, uh, Sati Devi, few verses before, she points this out. Do you think Lord Brahma and do you think all these great personalities do not know who Lord Shiva is? So she's making this point is, you're coming to this conclusion based on your understanding, but do, do you not think that these personalities who are actually your authority, do they not know what they're actually doing or how they see the situation? So obviously, though Daksha is presenting himself as a great uh, cultured man, it, it is apparent that he, he lacked this wisdom that, you know, when there is a situation, when there is a uh, misunderstanding, when there is a confusion, I have to submit myself to an authoritative figure or submit to a higher authority and try to figure out how this personality or situation is making sense. How does it make sense? And we see this theme repeatedly in Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, you know, even Parikshit Maharaj that asking that question about Lord Shiva followers. This is how question and answers are supposed to be asked. So many times when we are practicing, we get to this conundrum, we see something very controversial or conflicting or something which doesn't make sense, and immediately our mind wants to make to a solution. But that's not how the wisdom needs to be learned. It needs to be based on some fundamental authority. So the great Acharyas, we all, Prashila Prabhupada mentions this. So we don't, at some points, many points, she presents Krishna in different way. And he says, we simply accept Krishna as a Supreme God because our Acharyas have said that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has said so. Madhvacharya has said. Ramanuja has said. You know, all these great authorities have said, so we accept him. So this is the way that we learn Vedic wisdom or when we are put in these conflicting resolutions, we have to seek out, it's not only my experience through what I see and experience or feel or intuitively think, but it's something beyond. Maybe I am missing the whole bigger picture. And when one present this, when approaches this way, then one, if one is fortunate, one is able to come to the reality of conclusion. Oh, this is how this personality is great. 
Otherwise, practically for a conditioned soul, which most of the people in this world, it's impossible to understand many things what Shastra presents or many things what uh, we see sometimes apparent contradictions. But when we approach the proper authority and we try to reveal, to understand, then we come to the conclusion. So, so we see that obviously, especially when it came, comes to even for practicing devotees, Lord Shiva's personality is very conflicting. What presentation goes on about Lord Shiva outside, it's a, it's a shameful presentation. It's nothing about Lord Shiva. So we are very fortunate that Srimad Bhagavatam actually tells who is Lord Shiva. Otherwise, the presentation of Lord Shiva is a, is a, is a, mon, a mundane personality. They, you know, who, who is a, But this is the nature of the true nature of Lord Shiva is revealed through Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto after canto we can see what to speak of the personality of Lord, Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. So it is not very easy. So this is the way one has to seek out knowledge at every step. Whatever situation one may be, whatever, even in our uh, situation, we see this in the life of Pandavas too. Whenever they were put in a difficult situation, they always sought expert counsel. And before they made quick judgments. They had their emotions, they had their feelings. They did not say, well, I'm not going to, I'm just going to hide all these feelings, but no. Still, they had those feelings, but still, they put it outside and said, well, this situation, I don't get it, I'm reacting this way, so how should I see it? So this is the cultured way. So mature personalities in this world see, especially today, this is more relevant, because we see everywhere, everything, you know, being diminished, whether personalities or philosophies, everything is put in a very ugly limelights told in a different different ways so we and Sutta Goswami is saying that that he's quoting Parigrama Sukadev Goswami that Krishna appears to reclaim the fallen conditioned souls who are especially mode of goodness so for mode of People, if we are under mode of passion and ignorance, to think that Krishna will come and elevate us to spiritual realm is, is a false idea. One has to elevate one's consciousness because only at the mode of goodness one can understand the instructions of Krishna. One can stop activities which are harmful to one's progression. So when we say this fruit, detective activities, sometimes I, you know, that's not an analogy, but biblical understanding of uh, forbidden fruit you eat, you get you got conditioned forever. So similar to like, fruitative means you're not ending. Mode of passion and ignorance means the cycle continues. So only way to break that out is at least come into the mode of goodness. So that is the practice that Acharyas give, great Acharyas give us a practice where one's consciousness is trying, you know, at least we put an effort to come to mode of goodness and then Krishna's instruction in the form of Bhagavatam, association, we can correctly take advantage. Otherwise, one, one will miss the opportunity. So, so as we said, the fruitative activities are allowed, but they are for a purpose. Everything has a purpose. <clears throat> Just like, you know, Ekadasi, Srila Prabhupada said, the purpose of Ekadasi's fasting is to remember Krishna. 
You know, most of, sometimes it can be like, you know, the focus changes like, let me just fast. And then the whole time I don't even remember Krishna. I had one time like, you know, I was fasting for an appearance day and all the time I was so hungry. So one devotee said, you know, you might as well just eat and remember him. Try to be grateful because you miss, you're missing the purpose. The purpose is to remember the Acharyas. The purpose is to remember the Lord. That's why you fast. It's not the other way around to become proud. So sometimes there is an essential instruction inside the whole thing. Vedescha Sarvair Ahameva Vedya, where Krishna is saying, I am the center of the Vedas, but unless you come to that platform, a higher platform, you cannot see that I am the center. You will only see that everything else, me or mine, is the center of that. So, Srila Prabhupada is making that point is that protective activities of various demigods. <clears throat> and sometimes this question also is raised, like, you know, Lord, especially in this uh, connection that worshipping of Lord Vishnu and Krishna or Krishna and Lord Shiva is raised. Parikshit Maharaj raised this question. Maharaj Yudhishthira asked this question. This is described in the chapter of Krishna book or 10th Kanto chapter of Vrakasara. So this question is raised, well, Lord Vishnu followers are seeming to be, you know, you know in poverty. Well, Lord Shiva, he himself looks like very poor, but all his followers are rich. Very nice dialogue is explained. Then I know Lord, how Lord Krishna's devotees, and Krishna goes in very detail. Uh, I, mean, I don't think we have time to discuss that. But they are not looking for something material. So Krishna is not interested. So many times this question is, we also say when we present Krishna consciousness, well, pray if you have some desire for material things, pray to Krishna. Don't pray to demigods. We also present sometimes like that. <clears throat> but so someone also asked Srila Prabhupada, like, well, Srila Prabhupada, if uh, one can approach Krishna for fruitative desires, why do people go to Lord Shiva? Seems like, you know, he can get here too. And Prabhupada said, Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma are easily pleased. Krishna is not necessarily easily pleased. So he may, he may take your wish and grant it to you, but he will also do what is good for you. Whereas Lord Shiva or Lord Brahma, they're not obliged to think about what is good for you. So sometimes you just give whatever you want. So people know the secret and they say, okay. So even Narada Muni says the same thing to Vrakasara. Vrakasara asks like, oh, who is the personality I have to go to get this boon? And he says, well, you know, if that is your purpose, you better go to Lord Shiva. You're going to get quickly. So, though, though it is, it is, it is that Lord Krishna is also, one can approach Krishna, akama sarva kama va moksha kama udharadi. It is encouraged because when one approaches Krishna, he not only may satisfy one's desire, but also gives one's a knowledge to understand that, you know, this is not good for me. So, in, in our situation, even if, if we may be troubled by desire, one may, one may approach Krishna. And Krishna will give knowledge too. And he says, okay, well, I got it. Just like Dhruva Maharaj, when he performed his bhakti with such an intensity, 
when he actually saw Lord face to face, he said, I've, I've come for a broken glass. Prabhupada said very nicely, he said, I thought, I'm, but here I can find diamond. So one comes to the natural knowledge too. Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojitaha. So this is an advantage. When one does Bhakti Yoga, whatever, Jnanayati Ashupvaigragyam. So one gets knowledge and causeless knowledge and detachment. So that is the advantage when one approaches Lord Vishnu and Lord Krishna. And quick uh, description of the opulences, you know, Parvati uh, Devi is mentioning that how all great personalities are, they can exhibit their opulences, you know, and we can, uh, you know, there, there may be material opulences in the form of great potencies, mystic potencies, and also spiritual opulences. <clears throat> but in general, as, as this verse says, they are unmanifested, means they are not necessarily manifested outwardly. And you know, there's a nice beautiful pastime of Lord Chaitanya when, uh, when, uh, when he was interacting with the Benares sannyasis, Prakashananda Saraswati and his followers, they were very, they thought this personality is very sentimental personality, it's dancing. So one day a Brahmana, he invited Lord Chaitanya, you know, understanding that Lord Chaitanya would not go anywhere else. And he also invited all the sannyasis. And they saw Lord Chaitanya just wash his feet and just sat down. But just to show his compassion, he manifested this illumination, mystical potency. And he illuminated himself like a brilliant as a sun. And all these Mayavadi sannyasis at that time, they thought, because they're naturally attracted to illuminations and brightness, aura, <laughs> they looked at, oh my God, who is this personality? They thought this guy was like a sentimental dancer. And then he said, oh, and Prakashananda Saraswati thought, I oh, know, maybe I'll just reach out to him. Shwa Prabhupada makes a nice point in that context is, great personalities, acharyas, saintly persons, sometimes exhibit this potencies, which are, which are inherently manifested to them, but only in rare cases, because he says, sometimes fools do not understand. So to make them understand, Krishna and Acharyas are very compassionate and they exhibit these potencies. Otherwise, they are not supposed to, or otherwise they don't like to. So when Prakashananda Saraswati and his followers, when they saw that they gradually invited Lord Chaitanya and they were open to hear. So the whole idea is, the greatest opulence for a devotee is not necessarily all these mystical potencies or great opulences that one may get as a part of devotional service. The greatest opulent is, opulence is uh, remembrance of Krishna and service to Krishna. If one, one is able to hear and remember Krishna and serve Krishna, this is the greatest opulence. And Krishna says this in the Bhagavad Gita 12th chapter. So if you are able to think about me, remember about me, engage your intelligence in me, then you are with me. So as practitioners, uh, that is our goal, that is our 
opulences, that is the opulence we want, is the remembrance of Krishna and service to Krishna. Because that is the true opulences. And when one dedicates those opulences to Krishna, then one becomes perfect in one's life. So, it's 8.44. Uh, I will just end here. If anybody likes to add anything or share any reflections or comment. Krishna consciousness, uh, everything depends on mercy of Krishna. There's a nice verse, Svetasvata Upanishad says, Yasya deve para bhakti riyatha deve tatha guru tasyate kathitarate prakashante mahatma. The subtle truths about Krishna's personality and deeper understanding of certain truths is not, does not come by our ability. So, that's the fundamental principle of knowledge. It's also Bhagavad Gita says, Amanitvam Madam Vitvam. So it starts with humility. So one may not get, even after consultation, correct? Even after understanding, but one should not give up. One should persevere. And this we can find in the life of great Acharyas too. Even Advaita Acharya, there was one verse which he did not understand, at least externally, Sarva Pani Padam. You know, he mentions that, you know, I was confused about this and he day and night he fasted. I would like to then, I don't remember exact past time, but then finally Mahaprabhu revealed it to him and he was very pleased. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to understand. Or there also we can hear this uh, story about uh, a Brahmana, Kurma Brahmana I think, in Orissa, that you know, he couldn't understand. How could Ramana kidnap Sita? This is too much. I can't believe this. I can't understand this. I can't accept this. It was, it was bothering him so much. So Lord Chaitanya said, you know, just continue your devotional practice. Don't worry. You know, it's everything is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll help you out. And then eventually when he went to South India tour, we went to Anantapadmanabha temple, you know, and came back and he gave up information to him, a transcript about how it was actually Maya Sita Vedavati. So then he was immediately pacified. So, so we may have many questions which we may not answer, have answers, immediate answers, but one should not be impatient because our devotional service is not necessarily based on the solution to that. And our satisfaction in our life is also not based on that. It is just our mind telling that. Because actually what Savai Pumsam Paro Dharmo Yato Bhaktir Adokshaje Ahaituki Apratihata. So what Yayatma Suprasidati. So what is Bhagavatam is actually saying is 
if one continues unmotivated and uninterrupted devotional service means if we continue devotional service uninterruptedly and with the best motive we have pure motive then it satisfies the self but it is the mind which plays this doubt game intelligence it needs to be satisfied but sometimes we may need to be have that patience and that's where our intelligence has to give that example and what it called it has to poke the mind and said you know your satisfaction and your perfection in life does not necessarily depend on resolution that and when krishna sees that when one is perceiving and is continuing without stopping devotional service he is pleased he gives the understanding right he says and the same thing in bhagavad gita too remember a verse it says like that there's a beautiful verse which exactly corresponds to that that i give the understanding what is that verse in chapter tejam satata yuktanam satata means always yuktanam bhajatam pritipurvakam dadami buddhi yogantam that's what he just said so i give that intelligence so that's it but he says bhajatam the satata yuktanam always keep engaged so we may have so many things put it in a question box to the side and i'm sure many many of us have that experience suddenly we're doing something then answer comes out oh i didn't even think about that <laughs> so this is a very mystical process it's it looks like that we are but we are trained in this world that i can move forward unless i get an answer here and that's just very 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 uh, illusory way that's not the reality actually because first our happiness is not determined by that and even if that solution does not necessarily satisfy our heart but it's good we, we have to persevere so i hope that answer everybody wants anything to share repeat what Oh, the question. Okay, sorry. So if one is interested this very beautiful section in 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita Krishna explains uh, this is how compassionate Krishna is sometimes we see Krishna is not is not like a one dimensional personality of god 
He's a very multi-dimensional, compassionate personality. So when we read the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, we kind of get a glimpse of, he says, if you cannot practice this, do this. If you cannot practice pure devotion in remembrance of me continuously, practice. If you can't do this, work for me. If you cannot do this, at least do some work, but don't be attached. So this is the nature of the Lord. This whole cosmic manifestation is organized only for that one purpose, is because of his compassion. And uh, Sri Prabhupada makes that, what you're asking that question is, we're, we're always, may not be able to understand everything, and we're driven by modes. Is that correct, right? So how, how we can come to a higher understanding, and Srila Prabhupada says, now, before even, before even we know what is the solution, sometimes they say this to the, the people who are treated with some terminal diseases. They said sometimes acceptance of a problem is very difficult, even a mental problem or even cancer patients. They say the first 50% of progress is, yeah, I got this problem. So just accepting I have a problem is, is uh, is the bigger step. So just accepting that I am being controlled by mode of passion ignorance, I am being affected, is the 50% job is done. Then you, we know what we can do, how we can approach. So that is very important and Sri Prabhupada makes that point here. Um, I'm trying to This is the, so, so that diagnosis is very important. And Prabhupada says, when you have that diagnosis, then we understand Prabhupada says in this chapter, text number nine of chapter 12, if one is not able to fix one's mind on Krishna, then, then Krishna is saying, follow the regulative principles, very accommodative. And Prabhupada is saying, Bhakti Yoga is the purification of the senses. At the present moment in the material existence, the senses are always impure, being engaged in sense gratification. But by the practice of bhakti yoga, these senses can become purified, and in the purified state, they can come contact with the Supreme Lord. In this material existence, I may be engaged in some service to some master, but I don't really lovingly serve the master. I simply serve to get some money. So for spiritual life, one must be elevated to the pure stage of love. That stage of love can be achieved by practice of devotional service performed with the present senses. So one has to repeatedly read this, at least for me, I'm talking like sometimes, you know, I'm struggling, but it's, it's a relief to know I'm struggling because I got a problem. And then I know what is the solution is just perform devotional service. And sometimes, one time one devotee uh, wrote a letter to Prabhupada, you know, it's having a hard time to keep myself uh, 
properly situated. Even I'm chanting 16 rounds. And Prabhupada's instruction was and chant 64 rounds. So the solution is engage in bhakti yoga only in devotional service. If one's senses are not being controlled at 16 rounds, well, chant 64 rounds. That's, Prabhupada was very, like, you know, I thought, oh, that's, he, he didn't say, like, well, you know, come and do, go to this, do that or something. He's like, engage your mind. Because that is the problem where it started and you got to fix it. So anyway, I thought, if anybody, you would like to add anything, Father Nidra? I had that feeling, I'm, I'm chanting 16 rounds, my mind is going everywhere. So what to do? Then it's like, probably just chant 64 rounds then. <laughs> Wait a second, I thought we have to chant 64 rounds when we were ecstatic. No. <laughs> it's, so it's engagement. So and this, 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 that's why these special months are coming to trick us. You know, Krishna is very kind like that. So we can engage in. One, one Acharya said, one is able to chant so many rounds and eat. I'm not doing that, but some devotees just eat just little once a day. And after the whole month is over, like, you know, wait a second. I can do this. So why didn't I do this the rest of my life? So this is Krishna's way of tricking. Anyway, so anybody has anything else to add? No. Oh. It, it is observed that too, since somebody is uh, affected by mode of ignorance, it's better to bring him out of the mode of passion. But, and then rather than, it's not easy for him to just sit and chant so much, so come on, do some service to Krishna. And Krishna says that too. He says that in the 12th chapter only, he says, if you cannot even do this devotional service, and the whole reason is because of the mind, then you simply work and dedicate the activities for me. In that way, at least you will attain peace of mind. <laughs> anyway, Mother you wanted to add, say something. Sorry, I keep taking the time.
That's correct. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So I guess it's 9.01. We can end here. If I go, Pramanti. Hari Hari Bo.